This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am so grateful you are here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. And along with this show, we have a show called Why Is Everyone Yelling, which is a parenting podcast. The Illuminate Podcast, which highlights people doing amazing, good work in the world. And the Up and Running Podcast, which is a news-based running podcast with hosts Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley. You can find information about our network over at Sandy Boy Productions on Instagram. We share information on all the episodes across the network over there. Today, you're listening to episode 291, and I'm talking with Rory Linkletter. Rory is part of Hoka Aneane NAZ Elite team. He ran for BYU where he was a three-time NCAA first-team All-American in track and field and a three-time NCAA All-American in cross-country. He helped lead BYU to the podium finishes at the 2017 and 2018 NCAA cross-country championships. He graduated in the spring of 2019 and joined the NAZ Elite team. He is competing in the marathon project that's happening this weekend. This will be his second marathon. He debuted the marathon in two hours and 16 minutes in the fall of 2019 and then turned around and ran a 61.44 at the Houston half in 2020 this year. It is so exciting to see him taking on another marathon and it'll be cool to see what this past year of training with the NAZ crew will produce this weekend uh, at the marathon. He'll be racing alongside many of his teammates, so it's going to be an exciting weekend. Rory is originally from Canada, so he will be trying to get that standard so that he can qualify to possibly be selected for the Canadian team for the Tokyo Olympics, which will take place in 2021. Uh, Okay, this episode is sponsored by the Rambling Runners Virtual Summit. You all are not going to want to miss this summit that Matt Chittam is putting on this coming January. So it's January 15th through the 17th of 2021. It's coming up quick. And when you register for the summit, you get private lifetime access to all the sessions in video and podcast form. So this is a virtual summit for runners of all abilities. There'll be 30 to 45 minute videos, several live question and answer sessions, and a nightly post-game live session with attendees and a special guest. Okay, and I'm going to share with you just a couple of topics some of the speakers are going to be covering. None other than Jared Ward is one of the speakers, and he'll be focusing on consistency and tips for when everything gets tough. Roisin McGettigan, overcoming self-doubt and a quest for achievement. Mary Johnson, my friend Mary, so exciting she's on. She's going to be talking about post-pregnancy running and excelling at your own pace. We have Heather Knight-Peach, who will be talking about getting faster with age. And then Sarah Bishop, juggling family and training while striving for big goals. So many great speakers lined up for this event. You do not want to miss it. It's $150, but you can save $25 when you use the code HINE when you register. I will be there, and I hope to see you there as well. All right, go to theramblingrunner.com to check out more information about the virtual summit. Again, that code HINE will get you $25 off your registration. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Rory 
Linkletter. Today on the podcast, we have Rory Linkletter on the show. Welcome to the show, Rory. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Okay. I just did 12 takes trying to say your name. And if anybody listens to my Patreon page, they will understand why I have a really hard time saying the R-O sound. Well, there you go. I mean, my name is Rory. I mean, it's pretty tough for that. Yes. And I was struggling introducing you saying your last name, but really I was all up in my head about saying your first name in all reality. And it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I was just explaining this on, on my Patreon page. I was talking to my husband about it. I was announcing who my upcoming guests were, and I could not say your name for the life of me. So we have this like two-minute segment on Patreon where I'm trying to say your name. So I knew that as soon as we started this conversation, I would really struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I can imagine. I mean, if you have like a, a speech impediment of any sort, the RO is definitely tough. Uh I, I'm luckily not one of those kids that couldn't say their R's. It would have been really tough to be woe link letter yeah. <laughs> uh, growing up, but I, I luckily did not catch that bug. Oh, yeah. My oldest son, he can't say his R's yet. He's eight. And yeah, that would that would be a big problem. Um, okay. So how are you feeling? What's going on? You said you were in the sauna today? Yeah. I, uh, I just listened to your most recent episode in the sauna just to kind of get a feel for how you interview. You're a professional, like I said, before we started recording. Um, but yeah, we, we are at the tail end of all this preparation for the marathon project. Um, it's been going great. Uh, just the finishing touches at this point, but yeah, I'm excited to race and feeling good. Gosh. Yeah. I guess it's next weekend, huh? Yeah, it feels feels like it's been on the calendar forever. Yeah. But it also feels like the training block flew by. Yeah. Well, you know, I had Ben, Coach Ben, on the podcast uh, when he announced the new deal that you guys have with Hoka for the next four years. And um, he, like, I don't know if you know this, but he, like, casually dropped the marathon project at the end of that interview. Like... Um, they hadn't announced it yet. And I was like, wait, hold on, hold on a second. Are you announcing this right now? Like, this is a big deal. And he was like, it's not official yet, but it's probably going to happen. And then I think it was maybe two or three days later that, um, you got, you know, it was him and, um, uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. I'm going crazy. Josh Cox. Josh. Yeah. Him and Josh Cox announced that it was, it was a go. So man, way to give all of us fans something to cheer for. Yeah, it's been a, a long time coming because we had heard about this, I want to say like July when okay. this started becoming an idea. And I was all for it because A, I have been itching to run another marathon since my first uh, with all the cancellations and everything. I was looking for a real race opportunity that you know meant a lot. And yeah, this just made a lot of sense and, and it was well thought out and you know, the people that are putting it on are professionals to the core and it's going to be incredible. I mean, we got 12 days to go right now and I'm just like, fingers crossed, everything goes smoothly and we're able to have an amazingly safe and awesome mm -hmm. spectacle for everyone to see. It's going to be good. Yeah. Do you know who is streaming it? Um, like where we I, can watch it? I know USATF TV is going to have the live stream. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I can share the the details of the uh, broadcast, but it's also going to be broadcasted, I believe, like cool. delayed broadcast. So on TV, nice. that'll be good. That's huge for the sport of running. That's awesome. 
yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a really cool thing. Well, okay. What a year it's been. I mean, I listened to your podcast on the Up and Running podcast with Lauren and Abby back in January. And like right after you ran that stellar time in Houston for the Houston half. And it's like, wow, like you could have never predicted what was going to happen at that point. You know, the Tokyo Olympics were still on for this summer and running another marathon to try to get in that way was not even on your radar. So now this is just like a whole nother ball game, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if there's a silver lining, it's that it gave me that all these cancellations and the postponement of the games gave me one more chance to run the marathon, which is kind of the event that uh, got me the most excited for the Olympics. Uh, I Don't get me wrong. I love the 10K, but I felt like my best event at the Olympics would be the marathon. Uh, I don't know why I thought that because I didn't necessarily run that well the first time through, but part of my gut just told me like that was going to be the event to go for. And now that it's uh, one more opportunities on the table, I feel really good about it and I'm excited. Yeah. Let's just share with everybody in case they're unsure um, why we're talking about trying to make an Olympic team um, at the marathon project it's that you are Canadian. Yes. Yes. So the way Canada's selection criteria is laid out, there's only one guy that's already locked himself up into the Olympics. And that was the winner of our trials back in October last year, which I ran. But, uh, the stipulation there was you had to hit the Olympic standard in the trial to, to lock up a spot. Only one person did it. So now we have the race against time and Mm -hmm. the uh, deadline of qualifying now being, I think it's May 30th or something, 2021. So now everybody in Canada has a chance to run as as many marathons as they can, I guess, Mm -hmm. to within the qualifying period to get under the standard and be ranked high enough to be selected. So uh, now there's a second athlete that has the standard, but it's at 210.50, Tristan Woodfine. Yes. But there's still plenty of opportunity, two spots available, uh, nothing set in stone other than the one. So I'm just taking my chance at it. That's awesome. Yeah. Tristan Woodfine, I had him on the podcast right after London. So anybody listening, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check that out. Now, he wasn't the one you were speaking of, though, that won that championship race, though, was he? No, that no. would be uh, Trevor Hoffbauer. He is from the same town as I am in uh, in Canada, Calgary, Alberta. I've been on a world team with him once before. Good guy. He had a, the race of his life at uh, Toronto and you know locked himself into the Olympics. Little did he know it would be almost two years till he got wow. to compete in the Olympics. But uh, he's definitely deserving of that spot with his performance there. And I'm excited to hopefully try to make the team with him. Yeah, so he's locked in because he won that race. And then Tristan's the only one with the standard so far. You hit the standard. Anybody else hits the standard, then Canada selects from the pool of people that have hit the standard then. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, uh, I haven't combed through their selection criteria, but I think that they have pretty good discretion on who they pick. So if you're a person in my position, you just run as fast as you can and and let let the rest be – Athletics Canada's choosing. Yeah, yeah. So how are you feeling? You debuted the marathon in 216. I know that's not a time that you were looking to run. I know you were looking to run faster than that and had a tough race running alone for most of that race. You come out, you run the 6144 in Houston, proving that you are 
probably a much faster marathoner than a 216 marathoner. So talk to us a little bit about how you're feeling going into the marathon project and what those goals are. Yeah, I mean, well, when you have a race like Toronto, which was for me, a you know, I put that race on a pedestal a little bit because I, I did want to make the Olympic team so bad. I think I may have over, uh, you know, thought about the race and just kind of gone in there with so much, you know, emotion and ambition that I was kind of drained by race day a little bit. Mm. And we had a race plan that was pretty good. Uh, we were going to go through half marathon in 66 minutes, which was where I thought my capability was at the time. And then if I felt good, I could squeeze it down the last half marathon and get the standard and place high enough and maybe lock my way into the Olympics. Um, but my body had different plans on the day and around 15, 16 miles, the splits went from five minute miles to five Oh fives to five tens. And as, as it goes for many marathoners who are listening to this, you know, once it starts to slip, it's really mm -hmm. hard to get back on the, the horse. Uh, um, and it was just a slow grind to the finish. I lost, you know, say five, six minutes off what I was, well, four or five minutes off the, the pace I would have loved to have ran, uh, just in the last 10 miles. And, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. And it was my first one. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned there, maturity wise and physically. Uh, but it was a good experience. Nonetheless, it didn't change how I felt about the race. I still have a lot of excitement for the marathon. And yeah, like you said, the half marathon went really well in January this year. And I'm excited for another chance. Yeah, and you're so young too when you ran that that debut marathon. How did you and Ben decide that it was time to do that? So, just because of the way uh, you know, Ben looks at training and I look at uh training and the Olympics itself, how it was laid out is like what am I going to do in the fall before trying to make the Olympics anyways? I'm going to be building a base, mm. getting strong for track. Uh, why not just run a marathon, uh, see if I can make the team. And then if not, I just do what I would have done otherwise, which is get ready for track season and try to run the 10 K standard or the 5 K standard. Um, and it just made sense. And Ben is of the philosophy. If you follow our team that you can do both, you don't have to be a marathoner or a track runner. You see that time and time again with what Kellen Taylor and, uh, Steph Bruce are able to do repeatedly with their performances on the track and on the road. And Ben is just a big believer in that. And I think that there's validity to it and it's been proven with his formula. So we didn't really think of the marathon as like this leap that mm. changed the trajectory of my career. It was just mm -hmm. an opportunity to make a team. So that was, it was pretty pragmatic, the approach to that. That's a really good way to look at it. I love that. And yeah, I mean, if you really think about the kind of mileage that a 10K runner is doing, you're running pretty high mileage. So I like that thought of like, I can do both. I love that. Um, now that we're kind of talking about Coach Ben a little bit, tell us what attracted you to come run with an AZ. I know you ran for BYU. So what did that recruitment process look like? Well, um, I had success at BYU as a sophomore getting second at the NCAA meet. And at that point I knew I wanted to run professionally and post collegiately. I love this sport. I wanted to continue chasing my goals, which, you know, making an Olympic team is one piece of that, but just getting the most out of myself is, is a lot of it. And, uh, I knew that the marathon was my end game because it always 
appealed to me. I don't know if I'm one of those people that was that necessarily physiologically was always like, oh, you're a marathoner no matter what, you know. Uh, I loved the shorter races in college and in high school, you know, mile, 5K, 3K, whatever it may be. But I knew that the marathon intrigued me a lot, uh, being surrounded by, you know, Jared Ward at BYU and then Coach Eyestone was a two-time Olympian in the marathon. I just felt like I had early exposure to the event that maybe most collegiates don't get. Mm. And I had a great uh, respect for the event and an admiration for those that I've seen compete in it. And NAZ Elite is the premier marathon group in the country. I don't I don't think that's disputed at all that mm-hmm. this is the best group for marathoning. Um, you know, there's great groups out there and there's plenty of groups that could do it. But it seemed to me like this was the best one with Fobble running 209 at Boston right before I signed. Uh, and what we've seen now with the women at the trials. Yeah. Alphine ta- winning. Yeah. It's just like he's got it. He's got the formula down. Flagstaff is an incredible place to train for it. And there's just a great mindset and it was a good fit for me, uh, socially as well. And, and, uh, we're really happy here, me and my wife here in Flagstaff. Okay. Yeah. I know your wife was a gymnast. Did you guys meet at school? Yep. Um, pretty classic, uh, kind of corny love story, I <laughs> guess you could say. Um, first day of school, freshman year, I see a cute girl in my, <laughs> in my class. I sit by her, talk to her, get her number, hang out with her. We started dating a month or two later, and now we're married. For t- <laughs> so it was like the first girl I I, I, uh, I saw it in college became my wife four years later, five years later. So kind of a fun little, uh, you know, faded to be together, I guess <laughs> you could say. Yeah, you know, I talked, I've talked to a lot of athletes who meet their significant other um, at school, and they're both runners, but I don't talk to a lot who met their significant other and that they do a different sport, but they're still in sport. So I'm curious what that looked like with her being an NCAA gymnast and you running. What did that look like at you guys both doing your own sports? Well, um, gymnastics is a intensely demanding sport on the body. Uh, and my wife was very good at it. And uh, I think we were both attracted to the fact that people were chasing, you know, their dreams and, and pushing themselves to be their best. But also it, it wasn't necessarily like I was trying to date an athlete or whatnot, but it was just, we, we were athletes at the same school and it helped us meet each other, but she was a gymnast and I was a runner and, and that made for a lot of good jokes for, Oh, could she beat you up? Because she's <laughs> obviously really, really strong because gymnastics is a demanding sport and they are very strong athletes. So, and I was a scrawny distance runner, so it was good. It was, it was perfect for me. <laughs> Does she still do? I always wonder what gymnasts, you know, do post collegiate or post when they're, you know, doing the gymnastics as a kid, because with runners, you know, you just kind of like always run, but gymnastics, like you go get a membership at a gym and go tumble <laughs> a few times a week. So what does that look like in her life now? Uh, it, it is non-existent in her <laughs> life other than, other than the fact that she does teach some tumbling on the side. Uh, she's a full-time, uh, third grade teacher here in Flagstaff. So she's busy, but also gymnastics is so demanding that uh-huh. she was, she was done. I yeah. mean, physically done mentally done she had done it since she was three years old uh till she was 22 23 years old she just didn't want to do it anymore she uh 
it was it was time and she's still very physically active um whether it be just like you know strength training or just general fitness she's she still takes that pretty seriously but um yeah i mean there's not really a path for post collegiate gymnasts to continue doing things in that yeah. realm yeah okay so when you said that you were super interested in NAZ elite because um, they're the premier marathon group in the country. I would agree with that. Did Ben come court you or did you reach out to Ben? So the way it works with professional running is that you can go about this a lot of ways. If you're the best of the best, you might be courted by uh, a, a professional coach. I'm sure there's people that that's how it's happened, but I knew I wanted to run professionally and I started reaching out to agents and, and basically my agent now is Howie Kofleski, okay. Meb's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically said, you know, joining a group is really the only feasible option if you want a sponsorship nowadays. That's what all the companies are pushing towards. Uh, so here's a couple groups that I think we should reach out to. Um, and he was very, he spoke very highly of Ben what he thought of Ben, what he thought of this team and how they ran their, their team. And then he also spoke so highly of Hoka and how they treat their athletes. And it seemed like a pretty obvious fit. Uh, Alephine is represented by Howie. Alice Wright's represented by Howie. Uh, and my other teammate, Nick Hogger is also represented by Howie. So Howie kind of likes NAZ elite, yeah. uh, but, um, he didn't necessarily push me towards this. He just said, why don't you reach out and and when I reached out to Ben, he had a lot of interest and came on a visit and it was the rest is history. Yeah. You know, I do remember now I did an interview before the trials with Alphine and Steph and Kellen and Scott and Sid and Scott. And, um, I remember how he walking in just randomly, just like showing up at the, at the interview. And so that makes a lot of sense. I don't think I realized he was, he represented that many athletes, um, in the group. Yeah. Out of that, that, group of people he only represents Alphine, Alphine. but Alphine uh, is obviously the superstar she is uh she probably requires a little bit more attention not not because she needs a lot of attention but because a lot of people want her attention right yeah so yeah so uh yeah he he's amazing and it's been great working with him and and uh yeah I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did how long have you all known that she was having a baby <laughs> um, at least five four or five months probably. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a while. Uh, it's, we are obviously so excited for her and it's going to be awesome to see that, uh, part of her that I know has been a big goal of hers for a long time. Uh, she talked to me before the trials that she was like, I want to make the Olympics, have it, start a family and then get back into running. Mm -hmm. That was like kind of her plan. She just didn't see it like the sequence of events playing out like this, obviously. And, and she's going to be a great mom and she's a fierce competitor with so much talent that I have no doubt she'll be back to world-class in in no time. Yeah. It's kind of a crazy, it's just an, another part of this crazy year with the Olympics being postponed. It's like, who would have thought, well, let's squeeze a baby in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I want to hear a little bit more about what that training for you looked like for Toronto versus what your training for the Marathon Project is looking like. Okay, so for Toronto, I had just joined NAZ Elite, so I hadn't I had no uh, reference to Ben's workouts at all. Mm-hmm. So I had no 
knowledge of what we were, what type of stuff we did, where we did them. You know, Lake Mary was a foreign place to me. Uh, so a lot of firsts were happening in that segment. First time running a tempo longer than eight miles. First time, uh, you know, re- working out every day at 7,000 feet. Um, and the workouts were hard. They were, they weren't easy by any means, but that being said, Ben gave me a very abbreviated marathon segment. Mm. He didn't want to throw me into the fire and uh, watch me burn kind of, uh, he was, he knew where I was at in context of my career in context of how long we had been working together. So he was very cautious. Uh, the other athletes that were training for, you know, Chicago, New York, I think it was Alice Wright kept joking that my marathon must be shorter than hers because my <laughs> training was so much easier. Uh, so, whereas now, after being with Ben for over a year now, I've done all the workouts, I've done all of this, and I've kind of improved and blossomed in his program. So now he is throwing me into the fire. This has mm. been an insanely difficult training segment, and we are not abbreviating any workouts. We are going at the same workouts that Alephine and Kellen and Steph and Scott and Scott and Sid did before the trials. I'm nice. doing them now uh, and getting the full experience of a marathon build. And it's been tough. It's been one of the most demanding things I've ever done, uh, but it's been really good and really uh, rewarding as well. I feel like I've made huge improvements in the time between Toronto and this block and also within this block. Yeah. When did you, when, when Tokyo was canceled, you said you guys knew that you were going to do the marathon project was happening in July, but before that, even did you kind of think if, if this event isn't created, I want to try to figure out a way to do that. Or was this the only way? I mean, I guess you could have gone and done London. Yeah. It's the only way now knowing what we know now, but like, uh, London, I didn't even know was happening until they announced a field. So Mm -hmm. I guess uh, if we had planned that more, like, I don't think London would have happened for me in the context of uh, where we were at in our training Mm -hmm. in the summer. We were kind of doing a little bit of everything. And I ended up taking a break in September after basically training nonstop for nine months because we didn't know when the end of this stuff was Mm going to. So I had great training all summer. But it was like when the pandemic first hit and the Olympics was first postponed, it was like, oh, is Chicago happening? Is New York happening? Is this like there was a lot of we didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen. So we kept uh, our eyes open and tried to think of opportunities or look for opportunities where they were. But it, ultimately, this was and is the best opportunity possible for someone in my position. Yeah, it's so exciting. And props again to Ben and Josh for making this happen because I'm sure there's lots of other people that are um, getting this in motion, but it's just really exciting. And it's so fun to see so many of of the people that we've been cheering for for so long all coming together, like so many Americans in the same field, you know, it's really because usually everybody's kind of like spread out on the different marathons throughout the year. And so this is really, really cool. Um, do you get are you nervous? Um, not yet. Uh, it's too far away. doesn't even feel like it's here yet. Uh, it is gonna get real probably next week at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really nervous before Toronto, so I'm trying to turn that off uh, as much as possible. I, I remember I flew to Toronto and, uh, I couldn't sleep like two Mm -hmm. nights before the race. I was just like staring at my ceiling, like thinking of the race too much. 
So mm-hmm. I think I've matured a lot in in that respect, and I hope that that's not the case this time. I'm prepared to do what I can to prevent that, um, working on those things. But it's, I feel like I've got a better perspective, and it does. I haven't put this race too high on a on a pedestal mm-hmm. of like. I need to do well or else it's, I'm, I'm okay with what happens on race day and I'm excited for the opportunity. Do you think you find comfort in knowing that your teammates are going to be out there with you? I think it's been amazing having them to train with the whole, every step of the way. And I think it will be calming to, uh, share the the start line with Mm -hmm. them and do pre-meet with them and spend time with them prior. Uh, I think it's, it definitely helps. What's your pump up music that you listen to? Do you listen to pump up music? Um, for me, I probably avoid pump up music because I naturally am wired mm. pumped up. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it's like calm down music. Okay. Um, so before Houston, for example, I like, have you ever like had like one of those like singing bowls, like uh, Tibetan singing bowls? No. <laughs> so it just makes like a very like um type of sound. Okay. And it's like very calming. Like I don't know what it is, but it's like I uh I practice a little bit of like meditation for for performance reasons. Okay. And so before I warm up, I generally will listen to something like that, like Tibetan singing bowls for real. And wow. just breathe really like just kind of keep it real cuz I know once the gun goes off uh, and the race begins, I'm going to have all the energy I uh-huh. need. I, I'm, I'm not lacking in that department before a race. So um, if I had a, a go-to song, like driving to a workout or playlist, I love a uh, little Kanye West or something like that, you know? So, yeah. I, yeah. I, so you like zen out before a race. Yeah, I, I like to be a little bit more zen. I think I've learned over the years that – intense Rory is one that could be volatile. Okay. (laughs) Um, I did see on your Twitter that Kanye made your top five in Spotify. And I love that. Yes. Uh, I, I definitely listened to a good amount of Kanye. Um, I listened to hip hop and hip hop. That's kind of the two, uh, genres of music I listen to. So hip hop is basically Uh. hit, hit country music. I kind of like it's grown on me as I've lived in a flagstaff and I have a bunch of teammates that are from the South. So that's just slowly molded into my taste. Okay. I just wouldn't have pinpointed flagstaff as like people listening to country music. Is that silly of me? I don't think it's a flagstaff thing. I think it's a, my friends thing. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that's an association. I think there are those people in flagstaff, but there's also probably more of like the hipster vibes than anything. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I am much older than you, but the other day my husband brought out um, the college dropout Kanye album from back in the day. That was when I was in college album, uh, 2004. There you go. It's so good. Do you listen to his old stuff? That album is so good. I forgot how good it was. There's no doubt that I I do listen to that. It's not on the heavy rotation on uh, on my music, like you know, say, uh, life, life of Pablo, uh, or Jesus is King, his most recent ones. Uh-huh. I, I, I actually like for some reason, like Kanye West gospel music just does it for me. I got, so, I have to listen to it. I have not listened to his gospel album yet. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but it's like amazing. 
okay. the same time. I don't know what, why, but maybe I'm just a person that's pretty re- receptive to that stuff. But uh, I think it it is a very good album. Um, okay, who else was on your top five? Do you remember? Um, definitely Drake. Definitely Hardy. Hardy's my favorite country music artist. Uh, and I think Lil Wayne. So like, if you couldn't, <laughs> if you couldn't have like a more like cliche three rappers on your top five, it's Lil Wayne, Drake, and Kanye. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I wish I would have had like something like Juice World or. <laughs> you know, something a little bit more trendy, but I guess I just stick with the, the staples pretty, pretty much. Oh, that's good. Um, okay. So going in to, I'm just like going back and forth music wife. Now we're just go back right into running. Um, going into the marathon project, you did run, um, the Michigan pro half and got ninth place, 62, 37 in October. How did that race feel? Did you run what you wanted to run? I ran way past what I wanted to, or felt like I could run, Oh wow! which is the coolest thing ever. Cause to be completely honest, I was scared out of my mind. Cause I felt so out of shape going into that race. Huh. I, I was, uh, we had just started running like just running again after a two week break five weeks before that, I want to say. So it was, that was like, when I say started running, I mean like four miles a day the first week. And then it's like itching its way up. I think I did five workouts or four workouts before the, the race itself. Um, which to me was like, that got me the most excited for this block, knowing that, you know, my fitness from the summer and from earlier in this year had carried over so well. Cause I, again, I, I had never gone into a half marathon thinking I'm not in that good of shape. And Ben was like, yeah, just go out with the leaders. You'll be fine. You're good <laughs> enough. And I was like, uh, okay. all right, they're running 445 pace. That sounds a little bit over my head for where I'm at right now. Like clearly in my best shape, I would be all for it, but I trusted Ben and I made it like 11 miles right with the leaders. And then it slowly started to fall. And I I didn't fall apart by any means. I maintained a good clip the last two miles. It's just they started speeding up and I didn't have that gear because of fitness. Yeah. Wow. How cool is that? So I'm sure that gives you confidence going into the marathon project. It did. It did. I think that did more for my confidence than uh than anything else could have, because that's the, that's the real deal. That's a race environment. That's half the distance. That's, uh, and just to feel relaxed at a pace faster than marathon effort, mm-hmm. uh, for that long was really encouraging at that point in the segment. Cause obviously I've done a lot of training since then. And I feel like I've improved a ton since that day. Yeah. I saw you post recently. Is it the two by six miles? That's like the classic, the classic yeah. Ben Rosario from the Hanson's brother workout that you guys did. Yeah. Yeah. And that one went really well and it didn't go well before Toronto. So, mm. uh, that was another thing that was a little different before Toronto. I, I, uh, went out too hard the first six, uh, just feeling too good. And then I ended up like hitting a little bit of a wall at like four miles and stopping at five. <laughs> mm. So I didn't even make it through the workout last time. And this time I made it through and passed with, you know, you know, a plus type of day. So I was really happy with that. So then what, so I think you said that you kind of just wrapped up one of your last big workouts. I'm assuming you guys had a big, was that the big long run workout that you had or was that in something else? That was the last 
big one. So that's pretty staple. Yeah. Ben Rosario, Brooks Hansen's uh, last big workout before. We'll have a couple tune-up sessions, obviously, leading into the race. But uh, the old Odage haze in the barn is probably safe to say it's there. Yeah. Okay, what are your final thoughts going into it? Just like, I don't know, do you have any, like, not regrets or anything at all, but just thoughts on, like, I did this right, I'm glad we did this, I'm glad I took that break kind of deal? Yeah, I think the timing is perfect. I think we we nailed it. Uh, and I, I don't have any regrets by any means. I think I, I approached training really, really wisely this time around and mature in, in a lot of ways, but I also feel like I took chances and wasn't afraid to fail on certain Mm. days. And I had, I had a workout or two here and there where I, I guess one that stands out in my mind where, you know, I went in tired and I was like, all right, I don't feel good, but I'm going for it. Ben wrote the workout like this. He, this is how it's supposed to be executed. I'm going to see if I can do it. And I got, you know, halfway through the workout and was like, I'm not, it's not my day. And, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of, uh, maturity to swallow that, mm-hmm. but also to know that it's not going to be easy and still say, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to see if I can do it. Hey friends, a quick break here to share with you about the Donna Marathon weekend. It's coming up. It's the weekend of February 14th. This is a race I do every single year, and this year for 2021, they have gone virtual. The Donna Marathon Weekend supports the Donna Foundation, which helps those who are living with breast cancer as well as funds groundbreaking research. Like many other races and organizations, they have been deeply affected by COVID this year, and so anybody who registers for that race will be helping support their mission and their cause. When you register, make sure you use the code Lindsay5. That will get you $5 off your registration. And if you are in Indianapolis, I'm going to do a very informal, socially distant, everybody will be in masks before and after they run, little race around my neighborhood loop, This the day of the Donna Marathon. So if you want to get together with some people in the community here, we're going to be doing an informal loop here make sure you join my Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. If you want to get more information on that, I'll be posting that there and gathering people's emails if they do want to join us for that. I am also raising funds for the Donna Foundation again this year. I did that a couple years ago and I'm doing it again this year. Um, It was two years ago. We raised $11,000. So I'm going to try to beat that goal this year. So If you're interested in joining my efforts to raise money for the foundation, make sure you check out the show notes at lindsayhine.com. I'll have a link to that fundraising site there. Um, I do want to mention that the prices for the Donna Marathon Weekend will go up on December 31st. So if you're thinking about registering, make sure you get registered before then. You can go to breastcancermarathon.com to register. Use the code Lindsay5. There's a 5K, a half marathon, a marathon, and there's also an ultra distance option. Don't miss out on this awesome event to support an awesome organization. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Rory Linkletter. Now, you mentioned earlier coming from BYU, um, watching Jared Ward race and kind of always kind of having that, your sights on the marathon a little bit. What have you learned from Jared Ward? Well, I've learned that uh, 
that Jared Ward is a very special type of athlete in person. Mm. (laughs) He is an incredible uh, role model in a lot of ways to me. Um, First of all, he's, you know, that everyone says this about somebody. Oh, he's a great runner, but he's an even better person. Uh But that's Jared Ward to a T. Uh, When I first got to BYU, he had just finished his eligibility. I wasn't going to be his teammate, but he was still sticking around because he was training under Stone. And he took such an interest in me and mm-hmm. in everybody. It wasn't just because I he saw something in me. That's just how he treats everybody. He treats them like they're special. It's weird. Uh, it's it's incredible. And he, uh, you know, mentored me as I got better and still treated me the same way he did when I was, a, uh, you know, a freshman with big ambition and, uh, you know, no right to feel like I was as good as I thought I was. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, he's just been there every step of the way, encouraging me, believing in me. And I've seen him do incredible things. And he's he's incredible. And he does those because he's got a great uh, you know mind for the sport and he's very gifted. But he's also just a, a regular guy that just believes in himself and trusts the process and isn't afraid to fail. He's had a lot of tough races, but he's had a lot of really, really good ones. Yeah, you know, I heard you say that when you ran at BYU, that you were six days a week, you know, because it was a religious school, Mormon school, um, and now you do seven, but he still does six, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. T- tell me about that with your mind. Are you Mormon? Um, I am not, okay. uh, but I did take the six days a week approach pretty seriously for the first few years at BYU. Towards the end of my time, I would run on Sunday by myself, uh, just like short runs usually, um, just to kind of shake out the legs, probably more because I was addicted to running than it was because of anything else. Uh, I think six days a week is fine. Uh, if that was the regular, I, it clearly works for, for a lot of people at BYU. And I think there's some validity to it. I think Nick Willis for no reason other than recovery has done six days a week, most of his career, Mm. uh, and so there's there's definitely some some uh, physiological benefits to taking rest days regularly. And Ben is big on rest days, but not as regularly. Yeah. Like I just had a day off yesterday after our last big workout. So um, I don't think that that is anything crazy or defining of who Jared Ward is the the six days a week. But he goes really hard in those six days. So he needs the day of rest. <laughs> he, uh, his training is condensed and he goes very hard in those six days and then takes the seventh day to rest. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is it weird to go to BYU and not be Mormon? Um, <laughs> my wife and I both obviously, uh, experienced things that we probably wouldn't have had we gone to a school that wasn't BYU. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, Yes, it's weird. There's there's <laughs> weird things, right? Um, but it's great. It is an incredible school with incredible people. And I wouldn't change where I went for a million dollars. You know, uh, I am very happy with my experience there. Coach Stone is an incredible coach. I made such good friends while I was there. And I learned so much about myself in those five years that I think really have shaped who I am today. And uh, I don't see the honor code or the uh, the way the, that the faith is implemented in the school as a hindrance to my experience there. I went there to get really good at running. Mm. Uh, that was pretty much the sole objective is get good at running, 
uh, and get a degree. And I checked both those boxes and feel like it was uh, the perfect place to do so. I love that. Yeah. And by the way, if you're Mormon and listening, I wasn't, that wasn't a slam at being Mormon. I was just like, I, I feel like people probably assume that if you go to BYU that you're Mormon. Yeah, that's the first thing since I've graduated from BYU that people ask me. <laughs> it, it's pretty standard question yeah, yeah. as I meet people. You know, I'm out out at a bar getting drinks, you know, pre-COVID and uh, with friends. And they're like, oh, I thought you were Mormon. You know, someone will see me. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'll be like, I'll be like, yeah, that's a pretty common thing for you to think. Uh, but and it doesn't help that, you know, I got married in college. Right. That I, was I another look, reason. <laughs> I, I, if there's a stereotypical look of, of Mormons, <laughs> I might fit it. Uh, so n- maybe not so much now that I have tattoos. I was going to say uh, the tattoo threw me off. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with uh, the way that BYU is set up. And um, if you're an athlete looking for a school to get really good at running at, whether you're a guy or a girl, Coach yeah. Taylor there is incredible. Coach Eyestone is incredible. You will have the best teammates. You will have the most supportive uh, administration out there. And yeah, if you want to, if you want to run fast and get a college degree, go to BYU. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, you now are teammates with people who were your rivals in in college. I'm assuming that's why where you got the name of your podcast, Running Rivals. Yes, uh, big rival throughout college was Portland and NAU and BYU being the best in the men's uh, division one picture. Uh, we just naturally batted heads. Portland was a WCC conference rival. NAU was the team to beat my entire collegiate career. Uh, so yeah, we were fierce rivals. And a matter of fact, it, it was ugly. I didn't even like those guys. Uh, <laughs> and to think I would have been teammates with them and consider them some of my best friends now is just crazy. But, you know, the world has a way of sorting itself out. Yeah, I mean, because you never know, like, what's a friendly rivalry? And clearly I have a hard time with my arts, people. Um, And what's what's just for fun? What's for fun and what's not for fun? But it it does seem like that rivalry was, you know, a little bit aggressive. I would say, to put it lightly, I didn't like them. They didn't like me. <laughs> and I, I, we could get into so many different stories of where, <laughs> where it went sour, where it went from friendly to, to, to nasty. But put it simply, we had the same goals, and only one of us could achieve each of those goals. And uh, we, our personalities made it so that we were able to bring out a little bit of feistiness in each other. That's good. So now you're now you host a podcast together, you train together, and I'm sure you you all laugh about it now. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. I listened to a couple episodes in preparation for this. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks. We we like to have a little bit of fun. Uh, yeah, it's Running Rivals. It's me, Matt Baxter, New Zealander, and Nick Hogger, uh, Portland grad. Uh, we're all, you know, training it with NAZ Elite. We all came in around the same time. We're competing against each other in college. And one day we were on a long run and said, you know what? Uh, I think we should we should do something like a podcast together. I think we, we have like a cool little story. And also I feel like our conversations are pretty authentic and, and real. And there, at the time I was like, there's not really a lot of runners, like professional athletes that 
that host their own podcast. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a few, obviously there's a uh, price of a mile with Woody Kincaid. Uh-huh. There's sit and kick with, uh, David Ribich and, uh, Josh Kerr. Um, I'm sure there's others out. I think, uh, Sidious Mag. Track. Yeah. Sidious Mag has a couple that are hosted by athletes. Um, there's a lot of good stuff, right? Uh, and it's hard to want to start a podcast because there are a lot of running podcasts. It's kind of a saturated industry. And like, I didn't want to start one and be just have it be like a hobby that falls out. So now we've just kind of turned it into something that we do, uh, for our own entertainment and we hope that other people like it. (laughs) Um, and it's not really a, a big deal for us to, you know, organize once a week to talk about things that are going on and bring on fun guests and talk to them. Uh, we're still learning, you know, how to be podcast hosts and podcast hosts and be professional with it and have our own personality flair with that. Uh, but I think it's good. Yeah, it is really good. And I, I totally hear what you're saying. You're saying there, are, I mean, as, as the years go by, there are so many more running podcasts, but I do think that you're right. There's not a ton hosted by professional athletes themselves. And two, not a ton that are doing this format that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, three hosts is a lot. Uh, it's kind of like, it can kind of feel like a ton, but I love podcasts and I got the kind of the idea from my favorite podcast, which is pardon my take, which is a sports podcast and, uh, by barstool. And it's all just like friendly banter and like guys talking about what they want to talk about. (laughs) And I feel like we, we definitely don't accomplish like a goal of being as as witty or as uh-huh. as uh, as great as they are, but I think we are ourselves with it, and I think that that hopefully serves some people's interests. Well, I was laughing in your most recent episode when you guys were talking about the Japanese athletes having fifteen guys break twenty twenty eight minutes, and you were like, "Well, I think that that just means that we're a bunch of softies in the U.S." I think that there's there's definitely uh, some validity to that. Uh, you look at just demographically speaking, you know, population size and such. Uh, there's no reason why Japan should have that many more great marathoners or great 10K runners. It's specifically evident in the marathon. But man, they produce such depth and and high end talent. There, if if you just go country by country, it's Kenya, Ethiopia, one A, one B. However you want to you know, flip a coin on any given day. And then Uganda has kind of emerged as a great running nation uh, in the last several years. But Japan is right there. And Mm. uh, there's really no reason for it other than they must have figured something out that we haven't. And I think part of it is they just are raised thinking, you know, 206 is an acceptable marathon time, not 210. And, uh, (laughs) And it's just like their expectation and culture is just great. What's that like training in America, like with all these other American athletes, but you're running for Canada? You know, you hear us talk about like the past few years has obviously been a huge rage on like the surge in American distance running for women. And now the men are kind of calling back and they're like the men are doing really well, too. What's that like to be in that mix, but actually running for Canada? Well, I would say that there's a surge in Canadian running, both on the men and women as well. Nice. Uh, I think North America is, as a whole, getting better. Uh, the women's Canadian marathon record just fell in Houston, actually, when I was running the half marathon. Um, Melinda. And, 
and yeah, Melinda Elmore, great run by her. Uh, and then right before that, Rachel Cliff broke it. Uh, and at the Marathon Project, Natasha Wodak and Rachel Cliff will be running and Kinsey Middleton. And the depth is getting better and better. Dana Pitoreski. There's a lot. I could I could rattle off names. And in the men's side, uh, it may not seem as evident. Cam Levins broke the record in 2018 at uh, Toronto. He'll be in the race. Uh, Tristan Woodfine, Trevor Hoffbauer came out of nowhere. It, it If you're looking at the sport, not knowing Canadian running, who are these guys to you? Um, and now at the Marathon Project, I hope to run well. And there's also Justin Kent and Ben Preisner, who I think, just from me knowing them personally and seeing what they've been doing in training, they're poised to probably run the standard. There could be a situation where Canada has five or six men and women with the Olympic standard. And that would have been unheard of mm. uh, four years ago when you throw out these times that are, and obviously a lot of it has to do with shoot technology, but also it just has to do with, uh, you know, pressure making diamonds. People are, are pressuring each other to, to run their best and there's a lot of competition. So it's going to be great. That is awesome. Get with cheering for the Canadians, everybody. Um, Natasha Wodak has been on this podcast twice. I had Melindy on after Houston, and I've also had Krista Duchesne on and Tristan Woodfine. So I am I'm behind you, Canadians. I am on it. <laughs> well, I'm honored to be mentioned and added to that Canadian list. And now I'm excited to do do my research. Rachel Cliff sounds like she'd be a great one. I need to bring some more on. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of talent. Um, and I think that it's even on the track, it's gotten a lot better. So, uh, yeah, watch out Canada's, you know, not nearly the size of the country as the U S when you're speaking in population, but, uh, 40 million strong is going to represent a lot of good athletes at the Olympics. Yeah. And you mentioned Natasha Wodak, you know, she, she really stayed focusing on that 10 K for a really long time. So it's, I know she's run a marathon prior, but that was not her focus for a long time. So it's exciting to see what she's going to, um, do at the marathon project. Yeah. And I've met Natasha a handful of times and, uh, or as, she, she and Canadians would probably prefer, I say, Natasha. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she is a, a really good athlete, and, and I've seen her compete well on, a, on an international level many times at World Cross and uh, at Houston. I mean, she ran an incredible race. I think she held the half marathon record for about two weeks before uh, Andrea Sesafin. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can never say it right. I don't, I, it's something like that. She tra- She's a Canadian that ended up beating it. But uh, bottom line is, Natasha is very strong and she's very good at the 10 K and half marathon. And there's no reason to believe she can't be just as good at the marathon. Yeah. She finished Houston right by right next to Alphine, I believe. And yeah, I, yeah, she, she had got that Canadian record. That's why I had her on the show. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. She's, she's incredible. Um, all right, Rory. Well, this is, <laughs> I cannot say your name for the life of me. <laughs> I tried to be so natural and I can't do it. Did you hear? All good. All good. (laughs) Can you just make fun of me? That'll make me feel better. (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe you can't say my name. It's so easy. (laughs) Um, and also I have a grandpa, a great grandpa named Roy, like R O Y. And I really wanted to name one of our children that. And I'm like, I can't because I can't say it. (laughs) Well, I mean, practice makes perfect. Maybe this will help. Um, Hey, before we do into podcast questions, I have in my notes, that you're really into your truck. I want to hear about your truck. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I purchased it in July this year. Okay. Uh, and I was very excited. I I am not a stereotypical truck guy, um, but I want to be. I'm a fraud for now. I uh, I definitely was in the market of looking for a long time and admiring, but this summer I felt like I had enough uh, cash to to make a move, and and I I decided to pull the trigger and go get myself a Ram 1500 2020 brand new fresh off the lot and now it is my pride and joy and (laughs) my favorite thing so aside from obviously my wife and my dog I was gonna say what does your wife drive she drives uh, a Nissan Juke right now but she loves the truck Um, she definitely I think we are becoming uh, big fans of it and I think Flagstaff's a perfect place to own one because I drive on dirt roads like at least three to five times a week. So that's so cool. Yeah. I need to visit Flagstaff sometime. I've never been out there, but it sounds, it sounds really cool. It is a great town. Um, it is definitely booming right now. Uh, you know, we're looking at houses oh, gosh. and it's impossible to find a house at a reasonable price. Cause everyone wants to live here. Not Boulder, but coming in close, <laughs> close to it. Yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't complain cause other runners that have, you know, tried to get into the Boulder real estate market, I'm sure they know it's it's probably much harder, but it's growing. It's definitely getting a lot of California and Phoenix transplants that are making the market fluctuate quite a bit. What's the travel time from Flagstaff to Phoenix? It's about two to two and a half hours, depending on how fast you drive. Um, okay. <laughs> but I think a lot of people that have the the resources in Phoenix like the idea of owning a home in Flagstaff, which makes it really hard because mm. there's a lot of people with the resources that have yep. just been like, oh, I'll just buy a second home in Flagstaff. And then when it's too hot in Phoenix, I'll go stay in my Flagstaff home. Or when I want to go ski, I'll go stay in my Flagstaff home. Yeah. So it, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget about us people that are just living in Flagstaff. We need houses too. Yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll happen. I just got to just got to run fast. It's extra motivation. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. That's a good point. What, what are your favorite sports to watch other than running? You said you like barstool sports. Oh, I am a, I am a big football guy, big basketball guy. I've recently gotten really into golf. Um, okay. just be, just because I played a lot this summer. Cause it was like one of the only things you can do uh-huh. in a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I think my two sports that I watch the most are football and basketball. Um, I'm self-proclaimed one of the biggest LeBron fans in the world, okay. so that helps. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if there's live sports on TV, I'll put it on. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I've grown out of being a huge hockey fan. I will follow my Flames when they're uh, when they're uh, in playoff contention and when playoff hockey starts. But it's uh, it's not my number one passion like it was when I was younger. I've been Americanized living here too long. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my husband always just on the weekends, like if there's sports on, doesn't matter who's playing, that's what's on the TV. And um, I don't pay a lot of attention, but I don't know. I find some like weird comfort in it, like football being on. It just like feels right, you know? It, it does. And I will be honest, I was pretty bummed when live sports were taken away from us. Uh, yeah. I know, I know. The, the, the right thing to say is that it, there's bigger things than sports, but I am very, very glad that I can sit on my couch after a long run on Sunday and watch some football. Oh, for sure. I bet. Okay. What is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? 
run a good marathon professionally. Heck yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that, I mean, tunnel vision right now thinking about the marathon, but personally, uh, I mean, you, you heard me just talk about it. I want to buy a house. So mm-hmm. that helps if I run a good marathon. Yeah. So. <laughs> Make that happen next weekend. Yeah. I can, I can kill two birds with one stone if I do it. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, I, I would say I could say something running related, like a time I've ran or a place I've gotten. But I mean, I've said that so many times I would say graduating from college. I was, I'm a first generation college graduate. So that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Uh, my grand, neither of my grandparents or, or parents graduated from college. My mom went to college, uh, but dropped out when she got pregnant, Mm -hmm. uh, with my older sister. So it was, uh, it was cool to be the first college graduate. My older sister hadn't graduated yet, so I beat her to it. She still hasn't <laughs> yet, but she she might get to it. You're not competitive at all. <laughs> I, I am. I am a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Do you read books? Oh, I am a book maniac. Okay. Uh, this year, this year specifically, yeah. I I used to not, but uh, Hillbilly Elegy. I just read, yeah. and that's a that's a Netflix movie now, and I I picked it up before it was going to be a Netflix movie in my head. So I finished it, and then I watched the Netflix movie. I loved the book. The Netflix movie's cool, um, but the book was incredible. Book's always better, right? Yeah, easy. Uh- yeah, I um, I I had a kind of had that on my list to read for a really long time, and um, that and also Little Fires Ever Everywhere I never wa- read, um, and both of them ended up being like TV movies. So now I'm actually halfway through Hillbilly Elegy. Man, Amy Adams, she's just like so good. Yeah, I mean that book was like so cool to me because. I mean, I, I, I'm not a hillbilly, but I feel like there's parallels too. if mm-hmm. you've grown up in situations similar to that, that I felt like was really real and hit home, hit home for me. So, yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, if you grew up in an environment or even just had like distant relatives who were in that environment that you would see on Christmas or things like that, you kind of just like feel like you kind of have known those characters in your life in some point. And so there's like deeper meaning to it. I totally know what you mean. Yes, that's kind of why why I I loved the book so much. So yeah, it's good. Um, okay, and then who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Ooh, um, I think I would like to have if it if it's coffee or cocktail, it's two different things, right? Yeah, because totally. I feel like if I could have cocktail with anyone, it would have to be someone you know fun, funny. Uh, but if I'm having coffee with them, I want them to be wise and teach me something greater about life. Um, maybe both apply, but, um, totally. Gosh, I think, I think for me, uh, if I'm just having coffee, I think I would like to have coffee with Barack Obama. Mm, me too. <laughs> I, I think that'd be really cool. I just think he's a great speaker and, uh, it would be, uh, an interesting conversation without a doubt. And then if it's a cocktail, I just would probably pick some athlete and just because I can't think of anything better right now, I would just say LeBron James. I thought that's who I thought you were going to say LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, you're really into basketball. Who's the best, best basketball player to come out of Indiana. I'm an Indiana person and basketball's like our thing. Like the, like it university of Indiana, Indiana state, or I mean, I would say IU or you could even throw the Pacers in there. 
I mean, I think Larry Legend is mm-hmm. the biggest legend from yeah. uh, from Indiana. Played for Indiana State. He was he's known as a Celtic, obviously, but uh, Larry Bird. Yeah, Larry Bird for sure. Um, that's the first one that came to my head, so I'm gonna stick with that answer. I love it. I wondered if that's who you were gonna say. Um, all right, what is your one message to send to the world? Um, gosh, stay safe, stay sane, take care of yourself. It's a crazy time, but the end is near, I hope. And uh, go out for a run. It makes you feel better. Thank you so much for doing this, and best of luck. I cannot wait to see what you do at the Marathon Project. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully uh, it'll be even cooler that I was on in 12 days when you're like, oh, my gosh, you ran so well. He won the race. Come back on (laughs) the show. Yes. There we go. There we go. Oh, yeah. Well, best of luck, and uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up. That'd be fun. Okay, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You guys can find Rory on... You guys are making fun of me now. I really can. I struggle so hard to say that R-O. Um, you can find him on Instagram, though. He is Rory underscore link letter over there. R-O-R-Y underscore link letter. You can also find him on Twitter. He is the Papa Links over there. Give his podcast a try, the Running Rivals podcast, and let him know on social media. Reach out to him and let him know what you thought of this episode. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626 on Twitter. I'm at lindsayhine. And on Facebook, I am... I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Don't forget, I started a parenting podcast. If you are helping raise kids or raising kids yourself, make sure you go check out this podcast. I've got so many great episodes over there already. We have 12 episodes already in the feed, and you'll definitely want to check those out. I'm having a lot of fun over there, and I'm learning and growing myself as a parent through that podcast. And that's my hope for you if you check that out. All right. Thank you all so much for being here. If you have any guest suggestions, anyone you really want to hear on the show, make sure you send a request to Emma, who is my assistant, Emma at SandyBoyProductions.com, and we will add any requests to our list. All right. Have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday.